The information provided herein is for training and educational purposes only and is not for solicitation. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Johnson Wealth and Income Management and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities. Welcome to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program, brought to you by the Retirement Income Store and Matthew Johnson, owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management and author of The Capitalized Life. Are you living the life you want? Are you as prepared for retirement as you believe you should be? What are your goals for retirement and how are you going to reach them? In the next 30 minutes of today's program, let's explore the principles necessary to live the capitalized life and the retirement of your dreams. And welcome to this episode of The Capitalized Life and Retirement. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, president and owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management. Hope you're having a great day. Today's episode is powered by the Retirement Income Store, the place the retirees go for income. Well, today I have a very interesting episode during today's program. I want to try to be able to just challenge you a little bit to maybe think about something you have never considered, and that is the story of your life. Recently, I had some real challenges in my life, and they were good challenges. They were challenges that really caused me to think about why I do what I do in my life. And you know, when you think about it, all of us, every single one of us has a story. We all have values. We all have these perceptions of life. We have rules. And I want to just kind of give you a little bit of a snapshot, a little bit of a sneak peek into thinking about just how relevant this may be to you. So I teach at three different colleges. I teach at NIAC, I teach at Iowa Lakes, and I teach at Iowa Central Community College in Fort Dodge. And one evening I was doing a program and it was a fairly lengthy program. By the time I was done, it was about 8.30 or so. And I hadn't eaten breakfast. I hadn't eaten lunch. Uh, it was just a really crazy schedule for the day. And so by the time I was done with my program, I was pretty hungry. But I just didn't want to do the whole Subway McDonald's thing. And so I was in this town. It had a uh, truck stop. And the truck stop had pretty good ratings and it had pretty high accolades by everybody that had gone there. So I decided, well, um, I'll go in. I'll see if they can uh, still serve me at nine o'clock at night. And so that's what I did. And so I walked in, sat down and had this young little waitress that came over and she took my order in the order of the friend that was with me. And I ordered a vegetable omelet and so did my friend. And so she puts the order in. And we're sitting there drinking our water and just conversing about the day. And all of a sudden, here comes our omelets. And granted, they didn't look all that fantastic. They were just basically scrunched up eggs next to the hash browns and the toast and that sort of thing. But I have to tell you, it was undoubtedly the best vegetable omelet I had ever eaten in my life. Now, maybe it was because I was so hungry and anything would have tasted good. A cardboard box would have tasted good. I'm not really certain. But it was fantastic. And you know how waitresses behave. You know, they deliver the food and then they're gone for a little while. And then they come back to just kind of check in and see how you're doing and see if you like the food that you got. And so this young lady comes back over and she asks how the omelets are. And I said, man, that is hands down the very best omelet I have ever eaten. Best vegetable omelet ever. And she looked at me and she kind of scrunched up her little nose 
And she said, really? And I said, absolutely. They were fantastic. And she goes, oh, they look disgusting. (laughs) Now, here's something to consider. Why is it that she was so surprised that they were some of the best omelets I had ever eaten? Well, I think the answer lies in the fact that, you see, she had rules. She had a rule. She had a perception. She had a story that she had created in her life that said an omelet can only be good if it looks in a certain way or it's laid on the plate very gently folded and it was you know, very delicately placed next to, say, the hash browns and the toast was arranged just right. Have you ever thought about how the rules and the values that we've received from, say, our parents and our friends and our grandparents, how it's really structured our life? Have you ever considered the fact that so often there's things in our life that could be huge potential benefits? They could bring much richness to our life. They could bring many benefits, but we don't ever see those things. You see, if I would have set that omelet in front of that young lady and asked her to eat it, she'd probably scrunch up her nose and say, no way. And she would have missed out on potentially the very best vegetable omelet she had ever had in her life. And why is that? Because it didn't come in a form that she was looking for. It didn't fit the profile. It didn't fit the value of what she wanted, what she considered to be good. You see, the stories that we tell ourselves are very, very important. And some of us will live and some of us will die based upon the story that we say. Let's use another funny example. You know, I have been around lots of women all my life. There's women clients and women employees, women friends. And I bet you you've had this experience too where, and maybe it was you, who knows? And you say, you know what? All the good ones are gone. There's a woman here that wants to have a significant other. She wants to have a husband. She wants to have that love and that connection in her life. But to her, all the good ones are gone. And the question that needs to be asked is, really? All the good ones? Well, they're either married or they're gay. Really? Every single good one is gone. Is that really possible? And the answer, of course, is no, it's not possible. Not all the good ones are gone. You know, for some people, they've really been challenged in their life to lose weight. And so you're having a conversation with them and they say, you know what? I just can't lose weight. I just can't lose weight. I've tried everything. Really? You've tried absolutely everything. List a thousand things that you've tried. Well, maybe I haven't tried a thousand. Okay, well, list a hundred things. Well, okay, I admit, I haven't tried a hundred things. Okay, list a dozen things. Okay, well, maybe I've only tried one or two things. Okay. So you see, It's important for us to pay attention to the words that we use. It's important that we pay attention to the story that we write for ourselves. Because, you see, sometimes when we write a story, when we set certain values, certain rules in our life, those things can have very beneficial effects or they can have very destructive effects to us. You see, if we consider the stories that we tell ourselves, if we consider the words we use and the values that we set, 
sometimes we realize that those things can tend to work against us. So if you're thinking, you know, that really does make sense, or if you have questions about today's discussion, I'm going to encourage you to reach out to me. Call our office at 866-290-3837. My staff will put together some educational materials that I know will be of value to you, and we'll email them to you or we'll mail them if you prefer. If you have questions, we will do our best to answer them for you. Take the first step. Reach out at 866-290-3837. Again, that's 866-290-3837. Another example is going to be as it pertains to money. Recently, I had a lady that we'll call Nancy that came in. And Nancy was 68 years of age. She had worked for a large corporation here in Iowa. And she had worked there for 38 years. And this lady had been referred to me, and when she walked in the door, not to profile, but just to make an outward observation, this woman looked as though she was highly stressed. She looks like she hadn't slept in a long time, not slept well anyway. She looked like she was dealing with an insurmountable amount of anxiety. And she sat down, and I began to ask some questions, and I started my conversation the way that I do most of my consultations with clients. Or new people, and I say, you know, this consultation is really for your benefit. It's yours to discuss whatever concerns you have. My responsibility here today is just to love you and to take care of you, to give you the best advice I possibly can. So, what do you want to try to get out of today's consultation? And she said, Matthew, I'm afraid that I can never retire. And I said, okay. Well, what leads you to believe that you can never retire, that you're going to have to work until the day you die? Well, I just simply don't have enough money. Now, of course, as a fiduciary, my responsibility is not to sell her something. My responsibility is to ask questions and to try to see what I can do to help advise this person and to give her the answers that she needs. And so we started going through getting a better idea of what her life was like and how much money she had saved. And I was really struggling to find the problem. You see, this woman had a pension, and if she retired, she was going to get $3,000 a month. If she turned on her Social Security at the age of 68, of course, she had already gotten some delayed credits from Social Security. So she had been growing her Social Security by 8% every year from her full retirement of 66 to 68. And she was going to be getting about $2,700. So just gross income from a pension and Social Security alone, she was going to have over $5,700 worth of income. Next, we took a look at what it really cost her to live every single month. And she was a divorced lady. And so she was single and she didn't really have any debt per se, except for just a small car loan. And in looking at the cost of living for her, her cost of living was about $4,000. So I was really struggling to try to see where this lady was determining for herself that she was going to have to work until the day she died. So we kept drilling down and asking questions. Well, this lady had more assets. She had $100,000 in the bank. She had over $250,000 sitting in a 401k. And now I'm really starting to become puzzled by where all of her anxiety and her stress was coming from. But then I determined by asking some questions specifically of her, why she felt that she was never going to be able to retire. 
And the answer boiled down to her gifting and her level of certainty and her level of security. You see, as she had been born and raised by a father who was a product of the Great Depression, he had instilled in her a lot of values and a lot of rules concerning money. And one of the rules that he had always instilled within her was the fact that no matter what, she had to have at least a hundred dollars to $200,000 of money in the bank. Now, I don't know who instills that kind of, I guess, rule into their child's mind, but that's what he had done. And so she just took that as face value, and she just determined all her life that she had to have at least $100,000 in the bank or more. And this whole idea of gifts, she was a very philanthropic woman. She loved people. And she wanted to be able to give to her church. And if she saw a need in the church or if she saw a need for any of her friends or any of her family, they wouldn't even have to ask her. She would just immediately drop whatever she was doing to try to provide for that person, whatever need they had. In fact, she would sacrifice giving herself things so that she would be able to give and to provide for them. It showed a lot of her heart, and she was a very beautiful person inside. She had a wonderful heart. But let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to share with you the conclusion of what we determined for this woman and how it may just have some really interesting results for you even as an adult that you can draw from and that you can learn from. If you would like to give me a call, I'd be happy to take a few minutes out of my day to communicate with you. Give me a call. Telephone number is 866-290-3837. Again, that number is 866-290-3837. You stick tight. We'll be right back after this brief message. The road to retirement is filled with twists and turns. And life's unexpected detours could easily throw you off course. That's why it's essential to work with a financial advisor who is also a fiduciary. A fiduciary experienced in helping clients navigate the complexities of retirement planning while helping you pay yourself first. The road to retirement now made simple. To learn more about the Retirement Income Store, call your local retirement income specialist, Matthew Johnson of Johnson Wealth and Income Management at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. If you're age 65 or older and own a traditional IRA, 401k, or other retirement plan, you'll soon have to deal with your required minimum distribution, or RMDs. Suddenly, a portion of your tax-deferred savings will be taxable again, and the overall impact on your portfolio could be significant if you're not armed with the right information. Johnson Wealth and Income Management is putting on a free educational workshop on required minimum distributions Tuesday, February 25th, 6.30 p.m. at North Iowa Area Community College in Mason City. Reserve your seat at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. You'll learn how much more you have to take out, how much tax liability they create, how they impact your Social Security, and so much more. Once again, this is a free educational workshop on required minimum distributions. Tuesday, February 25th, 6.30 p.m. at North Iowa Area Community College in Mason City. Reserve your seat at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. 
800-290-3837. Register today. Would you take your grandchildren out for ice cream and try to pay for it using your stock certificates? Mm. No, that would be ridiculous. Instead, you would use your income. So why then do so many retirees make one of the biggest financial mistakes, dipping into their savings instead of relying on income during retirement? The good news? It's completely avoidable. To learn more about the Retirement Income Store, call your local Retirement Income Specialist, Matthew Johnson of Johnson Wealth and Income Management at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. And welcome back to the Capitalized Life and Retirement. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, President and Owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management. I'd like you to reach out to me at 866-290-3837. My team will put together some educational materials that I know will be of value, and we'll email them to you or we'll throw them in the mail to you if you prefer. If you have questions, we will answer them. So take the first step. Reach out at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. I'm so glad that you stuck around. And if you're just joining us today, we're talking about how the story of our life has lasting results in just about every area of our life. The values that we learned and that we accumulated over the course of our young life and even into adulthood, the things that friends have shared with us or experiences have created for us as rules and values, how they have a very pervasive effect. And we were learning the story of Nancy and how Nancy, as a 68-year-old female, was wanting to retire, but she was under all of this stress and anxiety because, in her mind, she couldn't retire. She was going to have to work until the day she died. And at first, it was very confusing because if this woman only has, say, roughly $4,000 worth of cost of living, and she's bringing in $3,000 from a pension, and she's bringing in $2,700 from say, Social Security, she has $100,000 in the bank, she has 250000 in a 401k, how is it that she wouldn't be able to survive? And then we determined it was because of the rules. It was because of her story that she had designed for her own life, and it was the thing that was creating so much anxiety for her. You see, being a child that was raised by a father who was a product of the Great Depression, He had always told Nancy that she needed to maintain at least $100,000 in the bank at all times. Well, it turned out that part of the anxiety that was just being built within Nancy was the fact that she didn't actually have $100,000. You see, she had recently bought a car, and the car cost her $20,000, and so she really wasn't at $100,000. She was at $80,000. And so as a result, her brain was short-circuiting. She was saying, well, I have to have $100,000 of money in the bank. And why was that? Because she was counting on this money to provide her with certainty. As long as she had $100,000 in the bank, she was being told by her own mind that, well, guess what? She was going to be safe. And when she dipped below that level, now all of a sudden, all of this stress All of this anxiety was starting to build up pressure. She knew that her pension and her social security 
was going to be enough for her to live on. But she also realized that once she discontinued working and she was now no longer in the accumulation phase of her life, but rather she was in the distribution phase of her life, the cost of living was going to go up. The cost of groceries, the cost of insurance, the cost of medications, the cost of living and property taxes and everything else, it was going to go up. And so she was a very forward-thinking person, and she was stressing about the fact of life that life costs more as you age and as you get older. Well, what if the $4,000 of cost of living, what if it goes to 6000 Now I'm not going to have enough money coming in. The next stress that we found was the fact that she had told herself the story that she had to have money in the stock market. She had all these friends and all of her friends said, you have to have money in the stock market. It's a good inflation hedge. It's a good place to have money. But the problem was, is that even though her brain was telling her that this was her value system, that she had to have money in the stock market, it scared her to death. She had been looking at all the different ramifications of having money in the market, and she had been in the stock market maybe like you, and she had taken a huge hit from 2000 to 2003 when the stock market went down. She finally got all the money back, but then all of a sudden she took an even bigger hit when 2007, 8, and 9 occurred. She was looking at me and she said, Matthew, I remember watching my 401k be cut in more than half. I had less than half of what I started with. And it was the scariest thing I had ever felt in my life. And so even though I think I should have money in the stock market because, well, quite honestly, that's what I've always done and that's what I'm told that I should be doing. Matthew, I'm scared because I don't have the years in front of me to make it up if I end up losing again. Because this time I won't be working. This time I won't have wages coming in. I won't be able to wait for it to come back. And what if that cost of living has gone up? And and what if I have to start dipping into it in order to survive? But then came the last thing. You see, Nancy took a great deal of pride in her ability to be able to care for people and to love people. And the way that she did that was by giving gifts. She would sacrifice herself if she had to to give gifts. If she saw a neighbor in need, she would do whatever was necessary. She would do anything in order to be able to provide for that need that she saw. And if her cost of living had gone up to such an extent, if the stock market had crashed again and she had lost money in the 401k, well, she was going to be at a loss because now she wouldn't have that level of significance that she wanted that she had always received when she was giving gifts to those that were in need around her. And she always found a need to be able to provide for. You see, the story that she had told herself, the values that she had adopted from her own father that said she had to always have $100,000 in the bank, her friends that she always had to have money in the stock market, and yet just the reality of life. The story had prevented her from being able to see that there were so many other good beneficial ways of potentially investing her money. Once we helped identify the fact that right now 
even though she had a cost of living of $4,000 and her pension and Social Security was producing around $5,700. Even after taxes, we knew that her income coming from the pension and Social Security was going to be more than enough. So that was helpful. But then we addressed the money that was in the bank. You see, the money in the bank, she had always come to adopt this idea that she had to have $100,000 in the bank. And so even if she had $100,000 in the bank, was it really the best place for her? Did she really have to have $100,000 in the bank? For some of you, that number may be bigger. For some of you, that number may be smaller. For her, it was $100,000. But then after considering that she's losing $250 every single month to inflation on that 100000 because the bank isn't paying her enough interest to even stay ahead of inflation, she realized, well, that's a pretty silly rule because if that's my rule, if that's what I'm living by, then that's costing me money, isn't it? It certainly is. She could have that money earning her interest and earning her dividends in other places that would allow her to have safety, but would allow her to be able to have more potential growth going on to that principle. But then came the 401k, and this was the big one for her. You see, even though her heart was telling her that the stock market was a place that, yes, had some potential benefits, but at this age, at this stage of her life, represented more risk than it did reward. She didn't know where to go. She did not know where to turn. And she knew that there had to be an answer, but she couldn't figure it out. And so this is where I helped her understand that there's two ways that we can grow our money. The first way that we can grow our money is by obviously taking on risk. And we can take on risk by buying mutual funds or buying stocks and then crossing our fingers and our toes, hoping it goes up. But the second way, a much safer way, I believe a way that's going to present way more peace of mind, is by growing your money the old-fashioned way through interest and dividends. You see, because a 401k is a growth tool, and it's not really a distribution tool, it's not really designed for people who are near retirement and are looking for a safe way to distribute income to themselves. She had never known about investing for income. And once she realized that she could take her 401k and instead of leaving it in the stock market, leaving it at risk, she could make that money safer and she could potentially earn four, five, six, maybe even 7% through interest and dividends on that money year after year after year. That completely opened up a whole new world for her. Because now she understood that even if the cost of living did go up for her, her principal could still remain safe. It could still remain available to her. But she would be able to take then the interest and the dividends off from that principal. And instead of having to cannibalize it by selling shares, she could simply keep the principal intact and live off from the interest and the dividends that the principal created for her. So you see, in closing, we have to be very careful to understand that sometimes, even if something better comes into our life, because we are expecting it in a certain form, because we're expecting that blessing or that thing to, to be in a certain way, just like that waitress expected my omelet to look just perfect, 
perfectly rolled, perfectly gently placed on the plate. Otherwise, it couldn't have possibly been a good omelet. May I ask you to consider that potentially your story of how money has to be invested could be preventing you from knowing and experiencing the blessing of a much easier, a much potentially safer way to invest your money. And that's the purpose of investing for income. Well, I hope today has been somewhat enlightening for you, just to open your mind to the possibilities that there could be some very wonderful benefits for seeking alternative ways of investing your money for retirement so that you can have the successful retirement that you have always dreamed of. So if some part of today's discussion really resonated with you, and you have questions about today's discussion, you have questions that you want to have answered with regards to something that we discussed, I'm going to encourage you, do the right thing and reach out to me at 866-290-3837. My team will put together some materials for you that I know will be of value, and we'll email them to you or we'll toss them in the mail if you prefer. If you have questions, I will do my very best to spend a few moments to answer those questions for you. So take the first step. Reach out to us at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. I'm Matthew Johnson. And remember, it's up to you to make it a great day. My blessings to you all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson. Brought to you by the Retirement Income Store. To schedule 15 minutes with Matthew, call 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. Or visit johnsonwim.com. That's johnsonwim.com. 